With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Seton, what if I told you there's a bacon, then there's number one thick cut, tastes like a touchdown in your mouth bacon? You must be talking about Wright brand bacon, because mm-hmm. they are not playing when it comes to the premium quality of their bacon. It's thick cut, hand trimmed, and real wood smoke. Real. And you can tell. So why settle for average bacon when you can have the real stuff? That's right. And if you're looking to upgrade any meal, any meal, try Wright brand bacon. That's called Wright brand bacon. You won't regret it. Experience bacon the right way. 56% of job seekers say the biggest challenge is finding a job that matches their qualifications. This according to an Express Employment Professionals Harris Poll survey. The job search can be lonely, but Express Employment Professionals can be your one connection to finding that job that fits you. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people find work through their local Express office. Find the location nearest you at ExpressPros.com. No fees for somebody seeking a job. Visit ExpressPros.com. You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Seton just said, more annoying fan base, Boston fans or Golden State Warrior fans? <laughs> we really want to start that? <laughs> Don't we have enough controversy going on today? <laughs> uh, let me get to a phone call, and then I'm going to get to Brandel Shambley. Scott in Illinois, been on hold for an over an hour here. Scott, what's on your mind today? Hey, Dan. Hey, Scott. Uh, first time, long time. Uh, six foot, 230. I was just thinking about, you guys were talking about um, Cooper Cup. Yeah. A couple days ago, you were having these, uh, like, little funny nickname thingies. Yes. Uh, you were talking about white rice and stuff like that. I was thinking, if he was a friend of a dispensary, you could call him fried rice. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. I like white rice for Cooper Cup. He got paid, by the way. It feels like everybody with the Rams is getting paid. And that happened quickly. It's like, Aaron Donald, here you go. Next up is Cooper Cup. I can't figure out who's their capologist, but, man, he should be in high demand around the NFL. (laughs) Sorry, we're just going to do one for the entire Rams team. See how that goes. Yeah. I don't know how much they're spending, but they're spending a lot, it feels like. They keep saying, well, we just kicked the can down the road. We just, uh, here's another... 80 million. Here's 100 million. Kick it down the road. Yes, Todd. Which is fascinating why every other team in the league hasn't done something similar to that. Yeah. You know what? Check with Florio. See if Florio will join us top of next hour. I got to ask him about how the Rams are doing this. Yes, Paulie. The Bears don't need a coach or a GM. They need a new accountant. <laughs> Fire up an accountant. Uh, Brandel Chambly, frequent guest on the program, lead golf channel studio analyst, and wanted to get his reaction to what's going on. With the uh, Live Tour, those who have defected. We also had the PGA Tour, where we thought it was going to be a hammer. I don't know if it's a hammer, if uh, they're going to keep players out of the majors. Uh, also, the Live Golf uh, statement, they, uh, they announced uh, basically the PGA Tour is vindictive and deepening the divide between the Tour and its members. Let's bring in Brandel Chambly. How did we get to this point, Brandle? Well, I think... Uh... I think it does boil down to just a simple need for uh, a regime uh, that is dependent upon one one commodity, oil, and has a particular bent to commit atrocities, wanting to enjoy all the benefits of the West without um, extending any of the rights of the West to their citizenry. Uh, and I'm talking about Saudi Arabia and particularly their leader, MBS, who has committed and continues to commit numerous atrocities, but wants to hide them. And, and he looks at golf as a vehicle to do that. It's called sports washing. Simple. Uh, he's, he's had success in formula one. He's had some success in soccer. Uh, and I think he looks at, uh, golf as, uh, 
it's a it's a lifestyle sport. It's a destination sport. It's uh, got great corporate involvement and interest, and it's a great demographic in the game, and it has a great history of tradition. And he looked at it as a perfect vehicle, I think, to to sports wash uh, his atrocities. Aren't the Saudis an ally of the United States? Yeah, look, I can understand strategic geopolitical alliances. I mean, uh, the United States allied with Stalin in World War II to defeat Hitler. They allied with Mao uh, after World War II to defeat uh, and separate from Russia. Uh, Geopolitical alliances are necessary, but individuals uh, don't need to make any such alliances that they can take a stand, and in particular golfers. Golfers are the most independent athletes in the world that I can think of. They're not beholden to play where their team plays. They're not beholden to play where the CEO, uh, in the case of uh, Formula One, says this is where the races are going to be. The very nature of professional golfers is that they're independent contractors, and they are paid lavishly. The top four highest paid athletes of all time, they go Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus. Phil Mickelson, who's been bemoaning the fact that he hasn't been somehow compensated for his worth in the world of sport is 11th all time. He's ahead of David Beckham and Kobe Bryant. Greg Norman, who has long shuffled off the competitive coil of professional golf, remains the 15th highest paid athlete of all time, ahead of Kevin Durant and Lewis Hamilton. Why is it these athletes are so lavishly paid for a sport that is only marginally watched and only marginally enjoyed and participated in around the world. It's because of the integrity uh, that golf has with it. It's a self-policing sport. It's because of the demographic uh, and it's because of the longevity. But here comes these athletes who have the independent status and the money and the wealth to be unique in sports and tell MBS and his thugs, we're not going to participate in sports watching your legacy. But you look at these players, and, and it feels like everybody does have a price tag, or at least, you know, the Saudis think you might have a price tag. You know, Tiger, is it a billion? Or Jack, you know, whatever he's getting, uh, was getting offered. Um, you know, does Rory have a price tag? He's been saying all the right things. Uh, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, I don't know if they do. And it feels like everybody's taking this let's wait and see approach with those who haven't joined yet. But what do you think the grand plan is of this Saudi tour? Next three years, five years, if you were looking at what this is going to be. Well, they've been at this for a long time. So they've been researching and trying to cobble together this tour now since 2014. So we're eight years on. They teed off today. Uh, And if you look at the list of 48 players, by my count, there was only 14 that the average golf fan would recognize Sergio Garcia, Brandon Grace, Dustin Johnson, Bram McDowell, Phil Mickelson, Poulter, Schwartzel, Westwood Keimer. Okay, you add all that up, it's 14 players. Their average world rank is 100. Their average age is 40. They've combined this year to play in 178 events, and they've had collectively 12 top 10. So under no way, no shape or form, if you're watching this, are you watching the best players in the world? If this were a horse race, It wouldn't be the Kentucky Derby. It would be a $10,000 claiming race. Uh, They paid $200 million for Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson is 51 years old, 51. His best golf is so far in his rearview mirror. It's be like paying $200 million for a 25-year-old Seabiscuit to race in Kentucky Derby. So what is their goal? Their goal was initially, I'm sure, because they thought they could buy the 48 best players in the world. And the 48 best players in the world, average world rank would be 24. Their average world rank is 100. So quite clearly, they haven't been successful in buying all these players. Rory McIlroy said, I can't be bought. Morikawa, Thomas, um, Spieth, Scheffler, Rom. They all said, I can't be bought. Um, you know, how much is too much? Uh, does anybody really need to uh, damage their legacy, Dennis, damage their history? Uh, damage damage um, um, the way they're viewed in the game of golf by not only tarnishing their their own legacy, but tarnishing the game of golf. Because if you think about the PGA Tour, Dan, um, the foundation of the PGA Tour is philanthropy. And they have so many different programs that look after the players, from health benefits to pension fund to safety nets. And they have tours for the beginning of a player's career, the prime of their career, and the end of their career. Now, you compare that to Live Golf. Their foundation is greed and sports washing. And they're buying these players 
and they will treat them as a depreciating asset. These players are expendable to them. They will toss them aside when they're no longer of further use. So the goal of Live Golf is clear and simple. It is very transparent. It is to sports wash a legacy and to do it with a facade of sport. Okay. The Masters, British Open, the Open Championship. Uh, do you think everybody's going to be in conjunction here and just say we're not going to allow even former winners to compete at the Masters? I think it's likely that two or three of the major championships will will look at whether or not players are in good standing either with the PGA Tour or a member of the uh, one of the major tours uh, and then keep the players from entering these. Uh, the USGA, I, I thought that they might take a higher, harder stance. They didn't. I think they left it a little bit open as to whether or not their stance might change in 2023. Uh, but their regs don't preclude a player not being part of a tour. I mean, a 45-year-old plumber can qualify for the U.S. Open and go play. And they, 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 their verbiage was that they pride themselves on being the most open of all golf's major championships. But, it, but it, is Phil going to play next week at the Open Championship? He is. He is. He is. They've said Shambo is going to play if uh, healthy yep. enough. Dustin Johnson going to play. Patrick Reed going to play. Yeah, I think they'll get in the U.S. Open. I don't know about the Open. I wouldn't be so sure. I wouldn't be so sure about uh, the, the Masters. I wouldn't be so sure about the PGA Championship. I don't think that's going to happen. And they certainly are not going to play in the President's Cup. Uh, they're not going to play in the Ryder Cup. Uh, they're not going to play in the Players' Championship and these sorts of things. All of the, the things that were in front of some of these players, not all of them, but some of these, they're just not going to happen. Ian Poulter's never going to be a Ryder Cup captain. Graham McDowell's never going to be a Ryder Cup captain. Uh, Lee Westwood's never going to be a Ryder Cup captain. Phil Mickelson's never going to be a Ryder Cup captain. Uh, Phil Mickelson's not going to be an honorary starter at the Masters. Um, and they're not going to continue to make, as Phil would, Phil would have continued to make $10, 20000000 million a year for the next 15, 20 years. And, you know, I've talked to sports marketing people, and they think that's very realistic that he would have continued to have that kind of income going forward for decades. I don't understand Dustin Johnson's comments when he goes, oh, I was going to have to play golf the rest of my life. You know, I guess to li have his lifestyle, now I only have to play eight to ten more years. And, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it came off so poorly here. I want somebody to just say the following, Brandle. I'm okay with this. My conscience is okay with this. I took the money. That's it. Nobody's going to say yeah. that, but that's really what this comes down to. Yeah, Dan, I, I, um, I would have a little bit more respect for them if they did that. It seems a simple thing to say. I mean, you listen to the comments, uh, Taylor Gooch, when asked about, um, you know, how opaque this was from a, a moral standpoint, said, I'm just not that smart. He said that. Um, <laughs> and the others, uh, you know, they fidgeted and they, they weaseled around and they looked for the members, various members of the live to sort of break up and stop the questions from coming because, mm -hmm. you know, they're sitting on a stage and they're having to tell a lie and they know it. Grow the game and all that nonsense. They're not growing the game. They know they're destroying the game, but they don't care. They, they cannot in their wildest imagination think they're growing the game. Uh, Dustin's comments, you know, look, uh, you know, what would he be worth as we sit here? A couple hundred million dollars. If he wanted to quit golf today, he could quit golf today. Uh, his his wife is is going to inherit. Uh, you know, look, let's hope Wayne Gretzky lives. You know, for decades more. But I mean, she's certainly not. If she's on her own, she's not going to be destitute. Uh, he could quit. He's. You know, this is about. Well, you know, maybe I can get another two hundred million dollars very easy without playing without playing, but look, he's, he's going to forgo most of his sponsorship dollars. Um, he's going to forgo his reputation, which means future sponsorship dollars and his legacy. And I know that there are tournaments being contested in the United States, but the goal of these, it seems like is to take them around the, the globe. So instead of playing 18 events at home, he's going to play 12 in the middle East or all over the world. Um, I think when you add up all the travel time, and the fact that he no longer is independent, you know, look, if he wants to take as he as he 
no doubt will. I want to take a vacation to some exotic place, spur of the moment. Can't do it. You can do it on the PGA Tour. You can do whatever the hell you want as you play 15 events. You can go anywhere, do anything. You want to take off for a birthday or coach a game or an anniversary, no problem. But try telling that to MBS. Uh, it's not going to happen. Good to talk to you. I uh, appreciate your uh, your comments. Thanks, Dan. Thanks. I appreciate it. Randall Shambly, lead golf channel studio analyst, came prepared, as he always does when he's analyzing golf. But, you know, you start to look at those numbers, the monetary numbers. I was surprised at that. When you think of the richest golfers, and Jack and Arnie are still on that list with Michael Jordan. Phil Mickelson on that list. Greg Norman still on that list. You know, golfers make a lot of money because they're in the corporate world. They're around big money. And it's not about what you make when you're playing. It's what you make from advertisers, sponsors when you're playing. Jack Nicholas is still making millions. Arnold Palmer's estate still making millions. Uh, Adam in California. Adam, what's on your mind today? What's up, DP and all the Danettes? First time, long time, 5'9 and a blunt, 420. <laughs> so, DP, is is the live, I'm going to call it the live Super League, is, is this not the same thing we just went through with soccer? I mean, they're basically saying, hey, we're going to take your best of the best, we're going to make our own league, we're going to leave you with everything else. I mean, what's to stop them from doing this with every sport? I mean, the backlash that the soccer community had with this was enough to tell those big clubs, do not do this. So is this kind of the same thing? I mean, what we're dealing with, with the live tour? Uh, yes. Yeah, well, it was enough to tell those big clubs not to do this until three of them were like, nah, we're still going to do it anyway. Um, and that's all f still trying to move full speed ahead. I mean, they went to court over it and those teams won. So it, I mean, that's, that's far from over. But also the fan bases revolted as well with some of these clubs. I don't know if fans are going to revolt here because they're going to go to the live tour. And I don't know how many players are going to want to play in that environment because it's not, it, it's not going to be a regular tournament. And if you miss out on the majors, now they may not care about legacy. Now the younger player, maybe the, you know, a player coming out of college may not care. I care because I've, I've watched legacies unfold. Somebody coming out of college may go, what can you guarantee me? Hey, I was the NCAA champ. What can you pay me? Give you $6 million to start. And then whatever you make. I mean, golf is about history. But that's if you want it to be about history. I don't know if these players care. I don't know if Dustin Johnson goes, gosh, I wonder where I would rank all time when I'm all done on the PGA Tour. I don't know if he cares about that. And Phil's image is already damaged. And this new book that's going to come out is going to damage it even further. But, and I'm not buying into him being a sympathetic figure of saying, I've got a gambling problem or I had one that, hey, I need the money. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. 
Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. Whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. It's a beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters the most. It's a light beer that tastes like beer. That's why I reach for a Miller Lite. And it's less filling. Only 96 calories. They've been doing this since 1975. They have perfected it. You know, that summer afternoon, we're coming into that time of the year, be like, oh, man. Crack one? Yes, or two. Don't look at your watch. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the calendar. You know. Miller Lite, the great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can pretty much find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories. For 12 ounces, fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? Or I don't know, take over a minute to down a two-liter? Well... If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6. It's the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how you play it during the playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they will have more or less of a stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Also, you track your picks, play against others for a shot to win at some big cash prizes. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now. Use the promo code DPSHOW for a chance to win huge cash prizes. That's code DPSHOW. Only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18-PLUS in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Final hour on this Thursday. This audience has been fired up today. Come on in, stay a while. Mike Florio will join us here in a moment and tell us how the L.A. Rams are doing it. I don't know if they have the same salary cap as everybody else, but they seem to be able to get a lot of people signed for a lot of money. He'll join us coming up. Also, more on what happened last night in Boston. The Golden State Warriors end up losing, and uh, Boston jumped out to a big lead, held off Golden State, and ended up with a big win by 16 points. Now you have one day off. They'll play on Friday. We don't know how healthy Steph Curry is going to be. Late in the game, around four minutes to go, Al Horford rolled up on his ankle. Here is Steph Curry after the game last night. I'll be all right. It was, uh, I got caught underneath Al. Obviously, uh, be some pain, but I'll be all right. I'll figure out how it feels tomorrow and get ready for, uh, for Friday. He was writhing in pain. And people said that, you know, he was kind of screaming out that he was in a lot of pain. You know, he's had problems with his ankles uh, his entire NBA career and uh, one day off before they play on Friday night. By the way, the Celtics are four-point favorites, according to DraftKings. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. Jim Jackson, the NBA analyst for uh, TNT, will join us, get his thoughts on what seems to be the headline it shouldn't be, but it is, and that is Draymond Green, the artist formerly known as Draymond Green. In this finals, he's getting more attention than any other player, it feels like. Draymond Green has as many fouls as points so far, 
More technicals than three-pointers, more turnovers than baskets. But we keep talking about Draymond Green, the way he plays, and also that he's got a podcast. He had the audacity after the loss to go back to his hotel room last night. Probably his family is there. He had his son with him at the press conference, and he did a podcast. Draymond answered the uh, critics who say, how dare you do a podcast after a loss? Uh, Draymond's focused on podcasting and blah, blah, blah. Listen, y'all going to get this podcast. Like I told y'all at the beginning of these playoffs, this podcast ain't going nowhere. I'm going to leave the arena. I'm going to return to this hotel room. I'm going to return to my home when we're back in San Francisco. And I'm going to film this podcast. It will then be uploaded by Jackson. It will be edited by Jackson and uploaded by Jackson, and then you will turn this podcast on and you will listen. And that's just that. You're going to get this podcast. I, it baffles me. It's so funny when I when I hear people like, oh, you shouldn't be podcast. So what should I be doing when I get to my room? You know what I would do? I'd watch game film and figure out how I can be a good basketball player. How about that? I don't care if you do a podcast. How about you analyze what you're doing and not doing? Because you're not helping your team. This isn't 2015. Like nobody's nobody's you know fearful of you. They they don't care. Jalen Brown does not care. He'll beat you off the dribble. So that's what I would be doing if I'm Draymond Green. How about you think about playing better basketball? And if you're Steve Kerr, you got to grab a hold of this. Phil Jackson was aware of Dennis Rodman. And I know people keep saying, why do you keep bringing up Dennis Rodman? Well, Dennis Rodman knew who he was on the court. He knew who he was off the court. And he didn't mix the two. For the most part, he went on the court and he would be an agitator, but he was still a contributing player to championship teams. Draymond Green was playing another game last night. It wasn't basketball. And, you know, sometimes players... It's like uh, Mike Tyson once said, you know, everybody kind of jokes around until you get punched in the face. You get punched in the face, now all of a sudden we're in a fight. Draymond Green is mud wrestling out there. Like, it's like, what are you doing? Do something. Because you're not guarding anybody. You're not shutting anybody down. You're not coming up with assists. You got more turnovers than baskets, as many fouls as points, more technicals than threes. So what are you doing? A podcast. All right. I know I keep ranting on this. I think I'm ranting on this because of all the people who are ranting on this. Because Draymond Green shouldn't be the focal point. The Celtics did what you want a good team, great team, championship team to do. Held the Warriors to 11 points in the fourth quarter. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, first Celtic teammates with uh, at least 53 pointers in a postseason. Tatum scored 20 or more 17 times in the postseason. Brown has scored 20 or more 16 times. Larry Bird had 17 of those games back in the 1987 playoffs. Oh, 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 Larry Bird, Larry Legend. Marcus Smart chipped in with 24. See, that's big. Brown and Tatum, I expect. I get 24, 25, 26 from Marcus Smart. I'm in business here. By the way, stat of the day brought to you by Panini America the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick show. We'll talk to Mike Florio here in a moment. You know, speaking of Panini, I don't understand this story, but a 13-year-old boy in Akron, Ohio, was opening up a pack of cards, and he noticed a Mac Jones New England Patriot card, and he said the card was life-changing. He says, as, as, as soon as I pulled it, I couldn't breathe. It's the only one of its kind. I couldn't believe it. He sold it for $100,000. Yeah. He sold the card for $100,000. These were out of the uh, Panini Prism football cards. And so it's it's $100,000. It was later sold for $150,000. We got these Panini Prism cards. Actually, it was just sold for $175,000. We have all these Panini cards. We haven't even opened up these packs. What are we doing? <laughs> I know. I thought I was sitting on my retirement. Yeah. But now you guys are caught on. Okay. 
Can somebody help me understand this? Why is a Mac, even if it's one of a kind Mac Jones rookie card, and it's $100,000? Uh, anybody? Anybody? Seton's opening up a pack of Panini <laughs> trading cards. It, 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 is it one of one? There was only, so when they made this card, they knew that this card was going to be worth $100,000. And apparently a bunch of people are already ripping this kid off because it's already worth 175 I know. Yeah. Paulie, do we know why this is worth so much? I, I don't know. It's got to be like one of one, like the golden ticket for Willy Wonka. I, I'm looking at my Panini UFC Frankie Edgar card. Is it going to buy me a boat? What's I, going on here? I'm not sure. I got all these Panini trading card packs that we haven't opened up. What's this fireworks card worth for I don't, Brandon Marino? The uh, prism. Let me UFC. bring in Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live co-host. Do you understand this? Mac Jones, a trading card that's worth over $100,000? Well, I guess it's valued at that amount based upon the assumption he's going to turn into a great quarterback. If he ends up not being as good as people think he'll be, then that price is going to plummet, I would say. Do you collect cards? I used to. I still have all of my cards back from the 70s. Yeah. Top football cards, I have boxes of them. The year I really got into it was 1976. And that was the year that the Walter Payton rookie card came out. Oh. There, there are in my files, for some of the lesser players, eight, nine, or 10 of them. I ended up that year with one Walter Payton rookie card. It is kept in a special plexiglass uh, case to. Paulie will buy it. Paulie will buy it. point, I'll, I'll give it to my son and he'll lose it. All right. Help me understand what the Rams did and are doing. Aaron Donald's contract, Cooper Cup's contract, Jalen Ramsey got paid. Everybody has gotten paid. Matthew Stafford's gotten paid. Why aren't other teams following the same blueprint that the Rams are, are uh, putting down? We joked on Monday that Les Sneed's F them picks t-shirt says on the back, F that cap because that's what they're doing now. They're paying their best players. And you can do it if you're willing to do this, Dan. The great Patriots teams had starters and stars who took less so that they could have backups that they would pay more to, that they had a healthy middle class of backup talent. So when someone got injured, you plug in a guy who maybe would be a starter somewhere else and you don't miss a beat. The Rams consciously take the risk that if one of their starters is injured, whether it's a star or just a run-of-the-mill starting player, they're going to have young guys, they're going to have guys on rookie deals, guys making minimum salary that have to step in and step up. That's the risk they're taking. And so far, so far it hasn't burned them. But when you get yourself top-heavy with so many star players taking up so much of the cap, you have to rely upon young, inexperienced players who are cheap, and who can come in and get it done. You got to coach them up. You got to get them ready. And that's where the Rams, I think, are making their, their move. Having great young players, players that weren't supposedly great, who can come in and play when they need them. And they've managed to keep their guys healthy. So they haven't had to rely on a lot of these young players to perform. How sustainable is this? Until guys start getting injured and guys miss games and key players aren't available or you get to a point where you're, you're paying Aaron Donald $65 million over the next two years. Let's say he starts to show wear and tear this year or next year and you're stuck. He's getting $65 million fully guaranteed. So that's where it falls apart. If you're star players, the guys you're playing the most money to aren't getting it done. And one thing to watch if you're a Rams fan, Dan, that elbow issue with Matthew Stafford, he hasn't thrown this offseason. He had an anti-inflammatory shot in his elbow. His elbow is a fairly important piece of the apparatus that allows him to throw the football. They're hopeful he can throw by training camp, but even if he can, does it hold up through the grind of training camp and preseason? Mm. Not that he'll play much, 17-game regular season playoffs. and What's going on in that elbow? And John Wolford is the backup because you can't afford to have a $10 million a year backup when you're relying upon this top-heavy roster of superstars. So if Stafford, for some reason, can't go this year at some point, they got to rely on Walford, that's maybe when it all starts to fall apart. Anything change with Deshaun Watson's situation based off the New York Times extensive uh, article by uh, Jenny Frentis? Well, I, I think, you know, the one big change is it just feels like 
the court of public opinion is lost for Deshaun Watson and never will be retrieved. But yesterday's big development, one day after Jenny Brent's story mentioned what the Texans did, what the Texans knew, what maybe they should have known. Here comes Tony Busby, who represents the 24 women who have sued Watson, with a statement saying, I'm bringing the Texans to the party now, too. Now, if that statement is made before the New York Times article, it has a different feel. On the heels of the New York Times article, when she introduces, when Jenny introduces the idea of the Texans' potential responsibility, it doesn't feel like ambulance chasing when Tony Busby issues a statement. It feels valid because it's been given credibility by the New York Times. It, it was brilliant by Busby to issue the statement when he did. And now, Dan, as these cases go forward, you know, the frontline defense by the Texans, I think, will be, we're not responsible for Deshaun Watson's criminal conduct. So it puts the Texans in a position where they may be joining Busby in piling on oh, wow. Watson, wow. saying we're not responsible for his crimes. Those are his crimes. We've got no duty to the victims of his crimes. That's on him. That's a way it could go here. And that may make things even worse for Deshaun Watson. I'll leave you with this. Will there be fallout with uh, the commander's defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio's comments? Well, look, Dan, I wrote about this earlier today. The question now becomes, when training camp convenes, will Del Rio still be the defensive coordinator? He's not Bill Belichick, all due respect, as a defensive coordinator. Ron Rivera is a defensive head coach. The commanders have to ask themselves, is it worth it to us to continue with a guy who has created this issue, stepped on this rake, called the insurrection from January 6th a dust-up, and presumably apologized at the direct behest of team management, I think it remains to be seen. And I know the people out there will cry cancel culture. That's the buzzword of those who want to have no responsibility at all for anything they say or do. It's fair to wonder whether it's in the best interest of the commanders. Players get fired all the time because it's in the best interest of the team. Is it in the best interest of the commanders to go forward with a guy who created such a pointless and avoidable distraction? But didn't you have a politician who said this is the final nail in the coffin, according to the article you had? Yeah, as it relates to getting free money from Virginia for a new stadium. So to the extent that that gets them back in line for taxpayer money, and I don't think any of these owners should be getting taxpayer money. They can afford their own damn stadiums. But if they think it gets them back in line for some free money for a new stadium, I don't think they hesitate to move on from Jack Del Rio. So I think once the offseason program ends, they got a decision to make about whether or not to keep Del Rio around. And it won't surprise me if they change him. And, you know, I was very vocal in defending Jack Del Rio when the Raiders secretly lined up John Gruden to replace him while he was still on the job. I think that was wrong by the Raiders and by Gruden to do that. But this time around, it's his own fault if he ends up out of the job. Good stuff, buddy. Thanks. All right. See you, Bob. It's Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live co-host. We'll take a break. Phone calls coming up. Jim Jackson will... Get his thoughts on what happened last night with the Celtics and the Warriors. And as we move ahead to Friday night and uh, a must-win situation for the Golden State Warriors. We're back after this Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. 
You know, you get those pieces, like there was the hat, there was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the, I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship? It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, I I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you can also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini-games, like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachenko Machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win, or Rent Frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. I want to thank our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Dan Patrick Show. Panini America has everything you need. A premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL and NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. If you're looking for rookie sensations, they've got that. How about timeless legends? They've got that. Panini America also breaking new ground on NIL, Featuring the biggest names, Caitlin Clark's in there, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and so many more. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net. Some of the first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out their most popular brands. they got Prism, Select, Donruss, and so many more. And... You got Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen, such as Draft Night Instance. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Dan Patrick Show. The all-electric EQS sedan from Mercedes-Benz is luxury and innovation on a truly magnificent scale. It's not just the flagship of the Mercedes-Benz electric lineup. It sets a whole new standard for all luxury electric vehicles. You're going to marvel at this epic 56-inch touch-sensitive hyperscreen featuring self-upgrading next-generation AI and a beautiful, intuitive interface for both driver and front seat passenger. You'll experience next-level comfort in an exquisite spacious, near-silent cabin that makes this flagship feel more like you're piloting a spaceship. And you'll appreciate the graceful aerodynamic design that almost completely eliminates drag for an outstanding operating range of up to 350 miles on a single charge. The EQS is an object lesson in just how far electric mobility has come. The vehicle is all electric. The feeling is all Mercedes. Take a test drive. Learn more. MBUSA.com slash EQS to Jim Jackson here in a moment. Uh, I just had a friend who, uh, one of my sources in the NFL, he said, you were talking about the Rams and talking about the Rams salary cap and how they're able to navigate the salary cap. He goes, keep in mind, the Rams president is one of the smartest people in the NFL. Uh, Kevin Demoff, his father, Marvin Demoff, famous agent said, uh, his understanding of the cap is unparalleled, incredibly smart, able to evaluate players as they compare to other players in the league, possible next commissioner, question mark. So that's uh, from a source that I have great trust in. Also, let me get to this uh, Mac Jones rookie card that a 13-year-old in Akron, Ohio, opened it up, a Panini trading card, and he he sold it for $100,000. And then it later sold for $175,000. Tony in South Carolina Tony, what can you tell me about why this card is Mac Jones rookie cards worth one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars? Well, first of all, Dan, first time caller, five eleven, two ten, big fan of you guys. Uh, so, what you have here is clearly a rookie card, which are the most desirable cards for any player on the market. Uh, Brady, Jordan, eighty-six, eighty-seven, Fleer. So, Mac Jones. 
This card is clearly, uh, and forgive me, I was at the dentist and had a deadening shot this morning. So anyway, <laughs> this card is clearly based on projections. People that are paying the price for this card right now are projecting that Mac Jones is going to have a Tom Brady type of career. Well, wait, but Tony, what is a Joe Burrow rookie card worth or a Justin Herbert rookie card or Patrick Mahomes? Uh, Right now between, depending on the grade, and I'm guessing this guy had the card graded and it probably came back a 10 out of 10. So there's so many variables that come into deciding the, the, the ultimate price of the card. But specifically, Mac Jones, right now, uh, I'll tell you now, Joe Burrow and those other guys you mentioned have not had a card go for that much money because of the markets that they play in, even though me, you, and everyone knows that those are better quarterbacks right now. Pat Mahomes doesn't have a card that has sniffed that amount. I I can't figure this. All right, thank you, Tony. Tony, you can be our official or unofficial card guy. Let me get to Jim Jackson, NBA on TNT. Jim, do you have all your trading cards when you were playing? Did you collect uh, your your cards? Well, you know, it's a lot of cards to collect with different teams. How many I played for? (laughs) (laughs) How much do you get paid by the card companies? uh, I mean, I'm not telling you how much I get paid. It's well, you know what? It's it's an amount. I'm with Panini, and we'll do stuff because they're you know sponsored with. Not sponsored, they're sponsor of the NBA. So uh, my rookie card, my second year card, some other cards. I'll do something on a yearly basis. We'll sign a bunch of cards and okay. some uh, individual signatures. But it, it's a good gig, though. Are any my of- mother has my mother has a lot more than I do. Of you, yeah, just you, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. Any of them worth a lot of money? No. <laughs> 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 All right. At least you're honest. Yeah. All right. So help me understand the Boston Celtics. Do they have a style offensively? Because I I'm trying to figure it out. Like yeah, what, yeah. what is yeah. what is their offense? It, it works sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. Well, and and that's because you know when you look at this Boston team and kind of the things that they fought over in the past of trying to establish. Uh, especially Tatum and Brown as young players in this league. When you're young, you want to establish that, that bravado that you can play, that you belong, that you deserve the contract, that you deserve the accolade. And sometimes that conflicts with the overall offensive scheme. I think Brad Stevens had an issue with that. Ime Udoka had an issue with that at the beginning. But it kind of started to evolve into this team atmosphere when the ball moved. You remember when Boston was playing uh, – before Kyrie, when the ball was hopping around and the Boston Celtics looked, this was maybe uh, uh, Jalen and I think Jason's rookie year. They got the Eastern Conference final, and even some of the second year, the ball was just moving. That's the style I think Emei wants to play, a lot coming from San Antonio where the ball doesn't stick. The problem is trying to change that within a year structure. I can't have everybody on the same plate. When you see Boston play like they did last night, you're like, well, why can't they do it all the time? Well, it's a level of offensive maturity that, that they have to get to. And if you find success in it, hopefully it extends that, and that's the mantra that you play with all the time instead of fighting it. So that it, it's a very legitimate question on when, when you ask that. There was a moment, I've mentioned this a couple of times uh, in previous hours, where Jalen Brown has Draymond Green on him. Mm-hmm. And, and there's going to be a pick set where there's going to be a switch where Jalen Brown's going to be guarded by Steph Curry, which would be a big big advantage, you would think, for yep. Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. He waves off the pick. He doesn't need the pick. He beats Draymond off the dribble. And then another time on the wing, a couple plays down, a couple plays later, beat him off mm-hmm. the dribble left-handed. I, I, I'm not sure who Draymond thinks he is now, but the Boston Celtics aren't, that concerned about him as far as the player may be the agitator, but not the player. You agree? Well, but Dr- yeah, I agree with this. Draymond is best to defensively off the ball when he's helping in, taking charges, defensive rebounds. Uh, there was a point in time when he was a very good on-ball defender, meaning that he could stay in front. But right now, being a little bit older in age of wear and tear, 
guys are able to break Draymond down a little bit more. Now, here's the difference, too. I think a lot of times when the ball moves side to side and then you attack Golden State's defense or any defense is not said, that's when you have better angles, you have better chances to get in. But then you also time and score when you go. But Jalen Brown, Jason Tanner, they did a great great job last night of exploiting when they went quick against whether it was Draymond Green, whether it was Steph, whether it was Otto Porter, even at times against Clay, where they identified where the opportunity was and they took advantage of it. All right, if you're Golden State, what do you do? Uh, Well, it's not a lot of adjustment. you got to stop turning the ball over, honestly. I mean – we always credit Golden State with this. We say this is a team that, you know, highly intelligent. They're an experienced team. They know how to play. But yet and still, you scratch your head at times, then it's like, why would you turn the ball over? I mean, you had momentum coming off the third quarter, but immediately at the beginning of the fourth quarter, it's like four quick turnovers. And these things are un- these things are avoidable. You're going to turn the ball over, don't get me wrong. But these live ball turnovers and some of the mental mistakes you see when Steph threw it, tried to throw it half court, full quarter got and that was coming off of another turnover right before yep so you took all that momentum away that you got in the third quarter and turned it over so to me you value the basketball and secondly what they did to win game two and a lot of their games they controlled the paint. listen they got Boston at 52 points in the paint okay and don't see that 26 different between the game right there Boston was a more physical team they got inside the paint, whether that was layups, second shots, fast break opportunities. Those are the things you got to clean up if you go to state. But that's why I didn't understand this, that the Celtics are a far bigger team. And mm-hmm. your two best players can get to the hoop off the dribble. And I would be taking advantage of that. I, I would just – I know they love to shoot the threes. Of course. But, man, I got to – I, I want to beat you inside, get you in foul trouble. I, I want to make you pay every single time down the floor. But isn't that too easy? But that's the simple way, right? That, that, that would be a little bit too easy. But when you look at the numbers, it tells you, okay, you got 52 points in the paint. How did you get it? Again, a combination of fast break points, off the, dr- off the dribble, Second shots. It's not like you're getting 52 points and you're posting up. That, that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. Robert Williams, offensive rebound. The key to success to me, and this is what made Golden State so tough to stop during their championship run, and even this year. Yes, they beat you with the three, but they got a lot of layups. They got a lot of second shots. And, yes, the three is a potent weapon, but when you come down and win in the championship, you really watch it. Those two-point conversions, when you just keep getting them, keep getting them, and your opponent doesn't, and yeah. they're missing, guess what? You start to extend that lead. Yeah. And, and that's what Boston was able to do. I mean, but, again, it, it's so simple sometimes. Bro. Look, two plus two still equal four to me. It, it really does. Jim, there was a moment last night where the everybody was on the perimeter. It's almost like if they could have been out of bounds, they would have been out of bounds. <laughs> and I wondered, uh-huh. where would Shaquille O'Neal be? If I just on dropped the, him the in, perimeter. if if I Shaq would be on the perimeter, yeah, you, you know why? I had this um, conversation with Alonzo Morning. He said, "Well, if I played today in today's game, I would be doing this." And I said, "No, you wouldn't." He said, "Well, why wouldn't I?" I said, "Because from the time that you were 12, 13 years old, you wouldn't be playing in the post, so you wouldn't be a you wouldn't be the same Alonzo Morning. You wouldn't be the same Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille would be, I think, more of a hybrid like Joel Embiid." because of his skill set. Now, I don't know if he could be, will be able to shoot the same way, but he would grow up shooting the basketball, picking and popping. He wouldn't grow up on the post. And the same can be said vice versa, Dan. You know, you have this conversation all the time. People say, well, Steph couldn't play back in the day. I'm like, well, why couldn't he? Muggsy Bowles did. D. Brown did. Mark Price did. Uh, uh, Michael Adams did. Isaiah. Spud Webb did. Isaiah, and you know why? They grew up in the era where playing in the playground and playing physical, playing outside at the park, was a, in the alley, was a part of their DNA. So, Steph, if you take him back, he would have been taught to play that way. You can't take Steph's game right now and say, plug it back into 1985 or 1990. Because him growing up, he would have been taught to play the game a lot different. 
He's uh, NBA on TNT analyst, the uh, Clippers analyst as well. Jim Jackson joining us on the program. Yeah, this whole debate where Cedric Maxwell was saying to Draymond Green, you know, back in our day, they'd, they'd rough you up a little bit. And then Draymond saying, oh, everybody seems like they were enforcer back then. Uh-huh. Well, the thing I would say to Draymond Green is the NBA would never let you rough up Luka Doncic the way the Pistons roughed up Michael Jordan. They would nope. never let you rough up the nice players, the popular players. The best player in the game, under the NBA rules at the time, they had the Jordan rules, that they had yep. the best player and they were beating him up. That's the difference, I think, that Draymond has to understand. Not everybody was Rick Mahorn. Not everybody you know, was this tough guy. But these teams made you pay... If, if you were on a roll, you go to the hoop, you may get knocked down. But it was just called basketball back then. It, it was, but, it, you know, each era always has its iteration. What's your favorite era of music, Dan? 70s, 60s, 60s. Right. So mine is like 80s, 90s, hip-hop, R&B. And the reason why is because it's nostalgic to me, because that's what I grew up. A lot of my growth period was during that time. When I was younger, watching stuff and listening to music, and when I hear it now, it brings me back yeah. to those nostalgic times, good or bad. And it's the same thing with sports when we grow up. So we don't want to let the past go in regards to what we felt helped mature us at a time in our life. So we want to stick with it and say, this time was better. This, listen, I'm a historian, bro. I love to travel. I love to see old buildings. Some old buildings are awesome. Some old buildings are not. Some of the newer buildings right now are just fabulous. But it, history and games, they can't stay the same. David Stern understood that the NBA understood this game was going to be international. Look at MLB. Look at hockey. Look at NFL. What? You want more scoring. You want more excitement. All the, these professional sports have changed in order to bring a lot more excitement, freedom of movement, whether that's in, in hockey, whether that's in football. You want to be able to throw the ball downfield because you want more scoring. That's just how it is. So I'm not one of those guys, older guys, well, you know, back in the 90s and this is this and these guys can't play. No. You know, the game has to change in order for it to survive and get better and get new fans. And that's what the NBA has done. Which team would be the best team in the NBA if I took away the three-point shot? Phoenix. Like they were. Because they shoot a lot of mid-range shots between Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Um, you have DeAndre Ayton inside who can score the ball when you give it to him. So he, and he can shoot the basketball from inside. Um, I, I, you know, if you took away the three, they didn't rely on it a lot. Now they would knock down shots. Yeah. I think their biggest thing was that they just didn't have a third guy that could beat them off the dribble. But I, I love the way Phoenix played. Uh, Darvin Ham seemed to say all the right things about Russell Westbrook. He mm-hmm. had to say all the right things about Russell Westbrook. What do you think deep down he feels about Russell Westbrook and how to make this work? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, because Darwin has been around. I think he has a lot of respect. I think coaches come in just like organizations say, you know what, if we get him here, I believe that with our philosophy that we can not change him, but help him see a different avenue to success. But the biggest question is this, Dan, who does Russell Westbrook ultimately want to be next year? That's, that's what it comes down to. Forget organization and the coach. Carmelo Anthony had to make that same transition. And I'm not saying Russell was there, but Carmelo had to look at himself in the mirror and say, okay, I'm Carmelo up today, not 15 years ago, 10 years but ago. But it took him a while to come to that realization. Of course. But the, some of the greatest players, it takes a while to get there. Because you're so accustomed to being the number one alpha, the guy that scores the basketball, and being able to do whatever you want on the court. But as you age – you're going to lose something. So the question is, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? The past player or the one that's currently playing? Because if you're stuck in the past, those habits and that mindset is not going to be changed. But if you flip the strip and say, you know, I can still be valuable at this age, but I have to understand what my role is. And that's the same thing with Russell Westbrook. His biggest asset is his confidence. His biggest downfall is his confidence at that time. So Darvin Ham can say what he wants. Jeannie Buss can say what they want. It's all up to Russell Westbrook and the mentality of what he wants to bring to the table for the Lakers this year. But I think you came off the bench. You were around 32. Does that sound about uh-huh. right? Yeah. 
Yeah, a little bit, a little bit before too, because when I went to Portland, um, my in ninety eight, ninety nine, I came off the pitch, which was tough. Okay, but it worked. And so up and down, I Sacramento came off the bench. Houston, I started. Miami, I started. Phoenix, I came off the bench. It's tough to keep track of all the teams you played for. Well, who are you telling? But <laughs> I tell you what, though, in every it, <laughs> in every stop, the bank still worked. Okay, so, I mean, all right, I, I was okay. That was still pretty good indication that I was doing them. <laughs> and you, you played 13 games for the Lakers, so, you know. No, I, no, not really. I sat down for about 11. <laughs> what was the best part of playing for the Lakers, even for those 13 games? Uh, getting to know Kobe a lot more. Really. Because I knew Kobe at 18 when he came in and competed against him and played against him and but when you're around a person on a daily basis, so to speak, and not to say that Kobe and I were best friends, but we had a chance to hang out and go to dinner and talk just about life and game and philosophy. And in that short period of time, I kind of knew the mindset behind the player. And he but averaged you, 35 a game that year. Oh, oh my yeah, Oh, my God. I mean, just how he prepared himself with the injuries in his body to get ready. Now, and again, Dan, I had an opportunity to play with some Hall of Fame players, whether it's Tracy McGrady, Jason Kidd, Yao Ming, um, you know, Chris Webber. Um, the list goes on, on Alonzo Mourning, guys I've played with. But Kobe was different, man. This dude was just, I mean, Allen Iverson, played with AI, but this is his second year. Kobe was just a different animal, man. Wasn't, wasn't perfect, didn't always say or do things the right way, which is okay. But it was that competitive nature, man. No matter who he played against, who it was, if it was a big-name player, he wanted to prove, okay, I'm Kobe. You got to work up to my level. I got okay? – there was a game where you and Kobe combined for 57. Yeah, what I had two? He had 55? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> hey, listen, it's all about sacrificing that, for the team. I like see, it. Dan? I like it. They, I, I grew into that role. It took me some time to get there. Maybe Russell Westbrook <laughs> needs to talk to you. Well, but he still – I think Russell still has a lot in the tank, but he has to understand who he is as a player and what he can bring to that team. What he did in OKC or what he did in Houston or what he did in Washington is not the same. And I will say this in defense of Russell, him going through that bad streak last year with L.A. was tough to get out of. Why? His usage rates wasn't the same. If he was in Washington and went through a four or five game sh bad shooting streak, he could get his way out of it because the ball would be in his hands and he could do more things. With the Lakers, the opportunities to get out of that are not the same. So you got to change your mindset. It's always great to talk to you. Thank you, bud. Hey, you know what? I want to ask a question. All right. Did you collect all of that stuff over all the years? Did somebody give them to you? Okay, so what made you. Is that just – are you a hoarder or is that just something that you I, just – I was a hoarder before it was called a hoarder. I just collected – I never threw away anything. Well, I could tell. Like, I just I, – <laughs> I kept everything and uh, I just brought it here in the man cave. So, But, but you know what? It's kind of cool now when you think about it, like people hoard stuff, like you need to get rid of it. But when you have a platform like this and you can kind of put it all together, now – it brings back – I mean, it, it's, it's kind of cool to see. I just wanted to know. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I got an autographed Kobe jersey. Do you? Yeah. What number? Eight or 24? I got 24 all-star jersey, says, to the White Mamba. Nice. So you know that, you know, I'm hanging in the rafters at, at, at Crypto, number 24. Yeah. 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 Me and Kobe share a lot in top. Yeah, because that, that was your jersey before it became Kobe's other jersey. Yeah. yeah. I, I allowed him to. Nice. Go ahead. Team Take player. It. Team player right there. Bro, that's maturity. Thank you, Jim. That's <laughs> Jim Jackson, one of our favorites, NBA on TNT. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find. That's not just a household item. Wow, you know I mean? even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachenko Machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it, whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. Uh, Miller Lite, great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. And as always, please celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.